Good evening. There's nobody here if you couldn't tell. Good evening! I'm the one that doesn't have a voice. Um, so uh, tonight we're going to continue in our study that we've been having um, on the virtues. Uh, before we do, let's begin as we do all things with prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good and gracious God, we give you praise and thanksgiving for this day as we come together on this feast day of all souls. We pray for the repose of the soul of all the faithful departed, especially those uh, members of our parish that we've lost this last year, that you have called home, marked with the sign of faith. We pray that you may bless us this evening, that you may help us grow deeper in our faith, seek more to be faithful and understanding of what it means to be a person of faith. We ask all these things in your Son's name as we pray in the words that our Savior gave us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So for those that are wondering, yes, I had COVID. <clears throat> I can use that in the past tense because as of yesterday, technically I don't have COVID. Um, but please bear with me. Um, I'm still having a lot of the um, after effects. Um, specifically, struggling to breathe a lot. Um, so if, I'm not, if you want me to wear a mask, I've got one in my pocket. But I barely made it through mass earlier today um, because I just could not breathe. Um, that's been my big um, struggle that I've had with COVID is that I've got really bad asthma. And the meds that they give me counteract with my asthma meds, so I couldn't take my medicine. Um, so it's been a little rough. I appreciate all the prayers. Um, it was, I was telling people at Mass this morning that um, I had that heart-to-heart -heart conversation with God and with my family of a, this could be it. Um, like, that's how bad I felt on Thursday or Friday, that this could be the Lord calling me home. Um, so talking about that on All Souls Day um, is kind of humbling a little bit, but it's also a reality of what we have faith in. Um, as people of faith, um, we say that we have faith. Well, what does it mean to be a person of faith? Um, so I figured as we're going through um, this book um, by, um, I've got his name here, uh, Mitch Finley, one of the things he starts off with is a quote from Hebrews chapter 11. And so what better way to start our class after prayer than to read some of what Scripture says when we talk about faith. So from chapter 11, faith is, is the realization of what is hoped for and evidence of things not seen. Because of it, the ancients were attested. By faith, we understand that the universe was ordered by the Word of God, so that what is visible came into being through the invisible. By faith, Abel offered to God a sacrifice greater than Cain's. Through this, he was attested to be righteous. Sorry. God bearing witness to his gifts, and through this, though dead, he still speaks. And then if you look through the whole chapter of Hebrews 11, it talks about the faith journey. Because one of the things that we as people of faith have to remember is, the world doesn't revolve around us. Like individually, the world is not revolving around you. That as people of the faith, <clears throat> we look back on all of the lives of those who have come before us to show us an example of how to live out a life of faith. And so in this chapter, specifically of Hebrews chapter 11, we really get from the beginning, from that first sin of Cain slaying his brother Abel, all the way up through the life of Christ, we see that faith has always been this seed. It's been this, as it says in that first um, verse, the realization of what is hoped for and evidence of things not seen. Think about that. What is it that we hope for in our lives? We talk a lot about those three theological virtues that will break open this fall of faith, hope, and love. We have faith that Christ is who he says he is. I'm going to talk a lot about, um, with C.S. Lewis, how he talked about Christ was either a liar, a lunatic, or the Lord. 
If Jesus was a liar or a lunatic, everything that he said we can take or leave. It doesn't really matter. But if he is the Lord, what he says, what he established for us has to mean something different. Why? Because of who he is. And so it is in the person of Jesus Christ that we find the foundation of our faith. Everything from Adam and Eve being dispelled from the garden until Christ led to that moment. And everything after Christ leads back to that moment. That as Christians, who do we profess our faith in? Not in the Pope, not in the bishop, not in the priest, praise God. We profess our faith in who? Jesus Christ. Why? Because he is truly the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And so when we talk about faith, we have to look at it in the scope of the fullness of time. Not just in every moment, but in how all of these things line up in our lives But everything should lead us back to that central mystery of faith. And that mystery of faith is what? The person of Jesus. Who he is and why that matters 2,000 years later. Because, again, if Christ wasn't who he said he was, do whatever you want to. No ifs, ands, or buts. There's no penalties. There's no anything. But because we are people of faith, we have this assurance within us this oomph, whatever you want to say it is, where it means something more when it comes from Christ. See? From Christ. Woo! I don't know. <clears throat> but what's interesting is even our non-Catholic Christian brothers and sisters take the word of Christ very importantly. One of the things I didn't know growing up, because I'm a, I'm a cradle Catholic, I grew up in the faith, is that in many Protestant, we use the word Protestant, but in many non-Catholic Christian Bibles, did you know the words spoken by Christ aren't just in parentheses? They're actually in quotations, parentheses. Sorry, my brain is not working. I blame COVID. They aren't just in quotation marks. They're actually in red letters. That the words of Jesus are red letter words. So we talk about having a red letter day goes back to that Protestant mentality of this is a day that is just perfect because it, emu- it emulates, it images for us a perfect day as Christ would have it for us. And so when we talk about the faith, when we talk about what Christ sent to us and why he gave it to us, we have to go back and see what it is he says to really find where our faith comes from. And the only way to really know our faith is to embrace it. You can't be passive and be faithful. Um, Just like you can't be passive and really be married, you can't be passive and really do anything in life, you have to be intentional. Why? Because when you are passive in life, whether it be towards faith, whether it be towards your spouse, whether it be towards your kids, whether it be towards your job, you can tell that there's a division and a rift happening there, right? Right? And I know all of us in different relationships that we've had in the past, whether it be with siblings, whether it be with our spouses, with our kids, with our parents, we've seen what a passive relationship works like. It doesn't work. It doesn't function well. And why is that? Because our intention isn't to grow that relationship. Many times when we are living our lives, we aren't being intentional. We're just being present. Sometimes we'll ask, how's your day going? I'm just here. I understand that. Sometimes we just show up, and showing up is a sign of faith. It's a sign of fidelity to at least doing that much. But when it comes to us in our faith, in practicing it, for many of us, that is even a stretch sometimes, the just showing up part. Oh, but Father, I mean, there's all, all these other things going on in the world. Yeah, there are. I mean, seven days a week, you're going to have something that you can do instead of focusing on your relationship with God. Just like seven days a week, you're going to have something you can do instead of focusing on your relationship with your spouse, focusing on your relationship with your kids, focusing on your relationship with your job. Those are excuses. And excuses will continue to come up no matter what the circumstance and situation may be. But how do we put those excuses by the wayside? We live intentionally in the faith. And so by embracing our faith, by seeking to learn and grow deeper, being here. Now, I'm not saying that you're coming to class or you're faithful. No, but you showed up tonight. 
even knowing that father's got COVID, getting over it, but father isn't contagious, don't worry, we're good. Um, but, but father may not be on his A game. I'm here, A, because I want to show up to embrace the faith myself. B, because I was here anyways praying the rosary beforehand. C, because I'm dropping my kids off and I want to show to them that the faith is more than just showing up. But that is the first point, is showing up. Because if we don't show up, we can't get anything out of it. It's just like the, the answer will always be no if you don't ask the question, right? If you don't ask a girl on a date, she's never going to say yes. Or if you don't ask a guy on a date, he's never going to say yes. Now, most of you guys I'm looking around are married, so that shouldn't be an issue. But you know what I mean. If you don't ask your kid to pick up their clothes, there's no way they're going to do it on their own. It's always going to be a no. You know that. Even when you do ask your kids to pick up their clothes, it still may be a no. But at least you're trying and growing in that. And it's kind of the same way when we look at our relationship with God. If we ask God for something, he may just say yes. And not in a way of trying to convince him that what you want is right, but in a way of he may say, yes, this is what you need. Yes, this is when you need it. Yes, this is how you need it. But many times in life, we don't get what we need or what we want, where we want or how we want a lot of things because God knows that's not what we need. I did not want to get COVID on the priest retreat. I did not want to get it and realize it as I'm driving back from Dallas six hours and be driving by myself, <clears throat> having all of these symptoms, testing myself in Purcell, testing positive in 15 seconds, <laughs> literally 15 seconds. That wasn't my plan. But the Lord knew in the fullness of time I needed to have COVID. Why? I may not know ever. I may figure it out in months that it was because Father Gabriel needed to be here to have a conversation, to have something that I couldn't provide for maybe one of our parishioners. It may have been just that I needed to take some extra time off because I overwork myself sometimes. I don't know what it is, but I do know as someone seeking to grow in my faith that it happened for a reason. Now, part of it could also be that I had a really good retreat and Satan is a jerk and wanted to just upend me at the end. That happens sometimes too. And the Lord allows that because just as we have free will, so too do the angels. And so they chose against the love of God. Faith is meant to be firm, solid, and therefore true. Faith is a personal relationship with God on whose strength and absolute sureness we can literally stake our lives. But I think for many of us, when we look at faith, it's this abstract concept. We talk about faith like we talk about the lottery. It could happen. It won't, but it could happen. But when we talk about faith, it's something more concrete than that. It's something that's meant to be more solid in our lives. In the New Testament, faith refers above all to our relationship with the risen Christ who claims for each of his followers the complete surrender to him that the Hebrew people gave to the Lord God. Faith in the Lord Jesus means turning around our entire existence in dedication to him and finding in this experience a deeper joy than all the passing joys and all the passing sorrows of life. Now, if that's how we experienced our faith, the church would never be empty. We truly believed authentically that faith was better than any of our passing joys. The church would be full every Sunday. The church would be full every Wednesday. The church would be full every time we came to celebrate. But something in our lives, sin primarily, is trying to counteract and set off balance that truth that is in Jesus Christ. Think to your childhood and how your faith life was then. Some of you guys grew up in the faith. Some of you guys grew up Catholic in the faith. Some of you guys grew up non-Catholic in the faith. But the faith that many of us professed, Catholic or non-Catholic, was in the person of Jesus Christ. 
And so how do we then, as members of the faith, the Catholic Church, help each other grow in the faith? Just like when you're going through um, your high school finals. Now, some of you guys may not have had finals back then because you're that old. I can't say that because Teresa's not here, but you know what I mean. But most of us have exams in life. Lily, you didn't have finals growing up, did you? You're the oldest one in here. I, I got to use you, sorry. <clears throat> but most of us in our lives have exams. And who helps you with an exam? Normally, your teacher will teach you what you need to know for the test, unless you're a horrible teacher. Normally, you will have a work group or a study group that may get together to really try and cram that information into our heads. Sometimes you may have a tutor. Sometimes your parents may even step in, like mine did when I got C's and said, if you get a C, you aren't really preparing yourself. That was because I was lazy, and when I got C's, they knew I wasn't paying attention. And so my punishment when I got C's was an hour a night at the dinner table until my grade went up. It wasn't meant as a punishment. It was meant as a be, put effort forth, and you'll see the results in the end. But it's the same when we talk about faith. If we put effort forth, we'll see that as we're embracing our faith, not just our lives, but the lives of the people around us will begin to change. Why is that? Because we're going on this journey of faith together. And that's the biggest trick that Satan tries to use against us. He says, you're alone, that you are alone. No one has ever in the history of time experienced everything that you've experienced. Though that may be true in your specific instance, there is not one person in here that has not had an issue come up in your life that someone else, even in our very church, hasn't had a similar issue of. Think about that for a second. And embrace that truth and that reality. Because that's what helps bring us back to the truth and the faith in the person of Jesus Christ. The fact that you're not alone. You don't have to go through life by yourself. No matter how tragic the experience was, no matter how tragic your decision was, whether it was your decision or someone else's, you are not by yourself. I realized that a lot <clears throat> this last few years as I was working with a lot of couples, and I've talked about this before, and I think it's worth mentioning again because people don't realize how often it happens that we're having miscarriages time and time and time and time and time again. And they were struggling with that of, man, we were doing everything we can to bring this child to fruition. We are praying about it. We're doing everything like possible, like literally everything possible, to make sure that we can have this child and bring this child to health. And it's not happening. And I see in the same world people fighting and burning down churches because the church is against abortion. We'd do anything we could to bring our child to fruition, they're doing anything they can to stop this birth. I don't understand. And in that, we begin to see that it's two sides of the same coin in the sense of we're all looking for peace. We're all looking for fulfillment. We're all looking to bring life into existence. Some of us bodily, I obviously am not going to be on either sides of that. But many of you are mothers, many of you are fathers, all of you are children. And it's the beauty of what your parents went through to make sure you could have the existence that you have. But many times we don't think about that. We think about the bad times, we think about what we didn't have, we think about the what ifs. Yeah, but if only my parents had done this, if only my parents had done that was talking um, in the office this morning about how I don't know all of my first cousins. And Amy, she's like, how do you not know all your first cousins? Well, I wasn't born in Canute, so I'm not related to everybody. But also, being a military brat, my dad's family is on the East Coast. My mom's family is on the West Coast. My mom's family, I have... I've got six first cousins... 
My dad's side, I have, I believe, two. But then my dad is also from a family of yours, mine, ours, his, and hers, and theirs. His parents are both married three different times. And so it's like, well, do you count all of the children from grandpa as first cousins? Do you count all the children from grandma as first cousins? Do you count the ones that came into? If so, I've never met 90% of my cousins. I couldn't tell you what their name was. I wouldn't know them from Adam. And yes, part of me wishes that I had the Canute upbringing that many of our parishioners had where you guys know your cousins. You guys know your everybody in your family almost too well sometimes. But I didn't have that upbringing. So I could say, you know what, Dad? Why didn't you give me that, that reality? Or I can look back and say, thank you for giving me what you've given me. And at the heart of that is us seeking to embrace our faith. Embracing the reality that we have instead of the, the fantasy that we will never possess. But that many times is where the crux of faith comes in. And the cross of faith, where the word crux comes from, the cross of faith comes in. That we will never have it how we want it. The good news is, that's okay. Because how we have it is how it's supposed to be. And I've talked a lot, I think really, in the last month or so in these classes and at Mass, about how sometimes, man, God's plans, I don't understand them, but they are just fantastic. Even when things don't go the right way, if we have that right mentality and see that there's a blessing in everything that we have, man, he will give us exactly what we need, exactly when we need it. I was listening to an audio book before I went on this priest retreat this last week called The Devil in the Castle. Um, it's based on a reflection of um, St. Teresa of Avila's The Interior Castle where she talks about these, I think it's the seven castles of the heart, of which at the, at the center, of the, uh, center of the castles is the person of Jesus Christ. And how every castle we have to go through to get to that interior castle is guarded not by angels, but by demons. And it's like, wait a second, why would the interior castle of my heart be guarded by demons? Because Satan doesn't want me to be there. And so I was reading through and listening through this book, and then it comes to happen that our whole retreat was on that very ideal. And it's like, Lord, you gave me exactly what I needed to hear, exactly what I needed to hear it. And it was a very fruitful retreat for me in trying to name what those demons are that I've allowed into my heart, those sins, those habitual vices that I've put into my life, that instead of embracing faith, instead of embracing all of these things that Christ has given to me, I've instead embraced these sins. And so I got to go to confession. It was awesome. And you begin to realize that many of the struggles that we have in life aren't because of others, but are because of us. Now, there are some things that are implanted on us that we can't do anything about. I couldn't do anything about the fact that obviously someone last week had COVID and I got it. But I could then figure out, okay, I have COVID. Now what? Well, I'm going to bitch and moan about it the whole time. Well, no. Instead, I'm going to say, Lord, do with this what you will. I had to cancel a lot of things that I did not want to cancel. I had a 93-year-old former parishioner that his funeral was supposed to be last Friday. It was last Friday. I was supposed to go back and do it at Corpus Christi. The family, when I moved out here, instead of going back to Corpus Christi, actually live-streamed every Sunday here. And they personally called me on Sunday and said, hey, Father, Don died. Can you come to his funeral? I was like, yeah, I'll be there. He was, he, was, he was my living, breathing Morgan Freeman. Looked like him, sounded like him, acted like him. Fantastic guy. Yeah, I'll be there. Friday also, McGinnis was dedicating a statue to the memory of my dad and the memory of Sister Sanchez, both who I was blessed to be at their funerals. And I get COVID on Thursday. Can't do either of those. But what can I do? I can be cheerful. I can say, Lord, your will be done. I can pray from bed, but I can pray and say, Lord, be it done according to your will. And those are words of extreme faith, but also words of extreme agony. But when we see Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane, after he celebrates this Last Supper with his apostles, he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. And he asked not once, not twice, but three times for his apostles to stay awake with him. 
Stay with me, remain with me, watch and pray. One of those hymns that we sing every year around Lent, getting closer to Easter. But they kept falling asleep, kept falling asleep, kept falling asleep. They were truly in the presence of Christ. That thing that I've longed for my whole life, that we get every time we come to Mass, every time we're in this church, we are in the presence of Christ. But they saw what I wanted to see. They heard what I wanted to hear. They experienced what I wanted to experience. And even in the midst of that, every single one of them turned their back on him. Every single one of them. Even the rock of the church, Peter, denied Christ three times before the rooster crowed. But we in our pride think, if only I had X, Y, or Z, then it would make everything perfect. I've talked about how that was my, in my own life of faith. I always said, all I want is, this is the voice of God. That's all I wanted. And he never gave it to me. But you know what? He gave me something better. Because on that retreat that I was on, not this last week, but the last silent retreat I was on for seven days, where that was my one prayer, let me hear your voice, Lord. For the next two years, when I went to Mass, I heard what the Lord wanted me to hear. And it wasn't through the voice of God. It was through the voice of the priest, through the voice of the deacon, through the voice of the lector at Mass. We call this the Word of God for a reason, guys. When we are in need, if this is not one of the first three things we go to, we're looking in the wrong place. As Patty Loveless used to say, we're looking for love in all the wrong places. Because if we don't look to Him who is the author of love to give us exactly what we need when we need it, we're never going to find it. Many times, though, we don't want what we need. We don't want to have to learn. We don't want to have to grow. We want to be perfect right now, today. You know how boring life would be if we were all perfect? There's actually a movie that came out about that, based on a book that came out on that. Post-apocalyptic world book view. Remember the book The Giver? Did we have to read that growing up? The Giver? Nobody? I had, okay, I was say, I had to read it in third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, and sixth grade. It was like the book that everybody had to read. And they made a movie out of it mm, seven or eight years, maybe, maybe ten years ago now because I'm getting older. About ten years ago, they made this, book, or this movie about it. And it was a post-apocalyptic world where everybody was assigned a job at like the age of 13 for the rest of their lives. There was no color there was no difference. They lived in a very gray society. Like literally, they couldn't see color. They couldn't distinguish color. They had no memory of the past. There was nobody that remembered war, violence, sickness. It was like this dystopic society that we want to hold up as this perfect reality of there's no pain. Well, there's no pain in the sense that they don't see it as pain. And so there's one person that's known as the giver, who has been given the history of the people. And there's this new kid named Jonah, who's the receiver, who is then given all of these memories to then be the memory keeper for the society. And what they don't realize in the society is that they are putting your worth and value on what you can do. Sound familiar? Remember, I, I preach a lot about your worth and value is from what? Not from what you do, but from who you are. Why? Because in this book that we read as third, fourth, fifth, and sixth graders, we were being told your worth and your value is in what you do. That's the world I grew up in. He who has the money does what? Makes the rules. You have money, you have power, you can do whatever you want to. Except be happy. You ever notice that? Some of the richest people in the world are some of the most miserable people I have ever come across. That's not saying that money is the root of all evil, but the love of money is the root of all evil. If we put love on this pedestal that is supposed to be there for Christ, 
If we replace anything, if we replace, replace anything, replace Christ by anything, we will be less than. We're putting our marbles in the wrong bag. I realize that's not the analogy, but words aren't working for me. But many times in life, that is our eternal struggle, isn't it? That we put our faith in the wrong people, in the wrong government, in the wrong sports team. Come on, Sooners, help me out. Come on, Cowboys, help me out. What was that last week? My goodness. Kansas State. I mean, Texas I can give you, but Kansas State, come on. Um, sorry, squirrel. Um, but many times in life, that's where we put our priorities, on things that really don't matter. But when is Christ our priority? Because he never will be unless we make him it. It goes back to that first line. The only way to know faith is to embrace faith. And the beauty of a life of faith is that you're never done growing. Now, for some of us, that is a, nope, I'm done. I want to be perfect now. I don't want to keep growing. Some of us love to read. God bless you guys. Do any of you guys like to read? The ladies, of course. The guy's like, audiobook, put it into a movie. Let's get it done. I got football to watch. That's me at least. Like, I will be watching Red Zone on Sundays, listening to a book. Because I can multitask, more or less. But when it comes to growing, many times we find a cutoff. The same way that in the professional world, you can only go up so high before you reach like the CEO. There's nothing over the CEO. We've conditioned ourselves that in life, there's nothing over confirmation. There's nothing over fill in the blank when it comes to our faith. At some point, we have learned, incorrectly of course, that we can stop learning about our faith. In fact, <clears throat> I had some kids at the beginning of RE this year that uh, broke my heart. Uh, one of the kids came in and he said, I don't know, and he didn't know I was listening because I'm always listening. He said, I don't know why I have to keep coming to class. I've already gotten confirmed. And I was like, <sighs> I failed him. Now, I've only been here for a year and a half. But like that to me is a failure of me. And that's why I'm so intent on these adult classes. Because I firmly believe our kids follow how our, how our parents respond. If the parents don't show an interest in the faith, I guarantee you your kids are going to leave the faith. It's going to happen. And that sucks. The problem, though, is I cannot guarantee your kids will stay in the faith even if you are a faithful person. Perfect example. My parents brought us to Mass every week. My mom, when she retired from the Air Force, was part of the rosary bunch. They got together two to three times a week to make rosaries and pray the rosary. I was in the church more than I was in school as a kid. And that's saying something. Yet, when I got to high school, went to a Catholic high school, went to confirmation, continued through there until I was out by myself for the first time. And I talk about this a lot because I am the cautionary tale on the other end. My parents were people of faith. My parents are people of faith. We pray the rosary, we go to mass. This is what you do. But when I went off to college, I left the church. In the sense of I wasn't practicing my faith. I wasn't seeking to grow or embrace my faith. I thought I've been confirmed. I've had 12 years of this. I know what I'm doing. I've led retreats. I know all about the faith. But I didn't go to mass. I had Christian neighbors that were in our dorm room or in our dorm hall that were trying to convert me to becoming Baptist and Lutheran and Methodist and Presbyterian and everything else under the sun. And I said, no, I'm Catholic. And I brought them to Mass and they had a bunch of questions. I could answer all the questions. But I didn't go to Mass by myself. I didn't go to Mass on my own. It was always kind of like a recreational sport. Like, like you go with family because if not, slap on the wrist, right? 
And so it wasn't until I failed out of college and I moved back home, neither of which I ever wanted to do, because one is saying I'm not good enough in the eyes of God because I didn't go to church. The other one is saying I'm not good enough in the eyes of my family because I had to move my butt back home. The other one saying I'm not good enough in the eyes of society because I just failed out of college. That's what I thought. I didn't want any of those three things. The reality is none of those were true. I wasn't a failure in the eyes of my family. I wasn't a failure in the eyes of God. Society, who cares? Well, we do. That's the problem. (laughs) But the reality was my priorities weren't faith. My priority wasn't God. I, as an 18-year-old, knew enough. Anybody else put themselves in that when they grew up? We were 18, and we knew better than everybody around us, and we realized, oh, I really didn't know absolutely squat. Some of these kids are getting that at the age of 12, 13, 14, because they're hearing it, because they aren't listening to you. They aren't listening to me. They're definitely not listening to me. They're not listening to me. They're definitely not listening to you. They aren't listening to their teachers. They're listening to the Internet that teaches them at such a young age that they can be independent. It teaches them at such a young age to don't tell your parents what you're doing. To don't tell your parents where you're going. Our kids, younger and younger and younger, are falling into sin. And what are we doing about it? Well, at least they aren't getting into any trouble. Material trouble? Maybe not. They aren't stealing anything. They aren't breaking into places. Good. They aren't drinking, unless we're there drinking with them. That's another story. But they are getting into some spiritual trouble, my brothers and sisters. Because, man, some of the things that these kids have to deal with on a daily basis, outside of just bullying. I hate Halloween. I'm about to go on a tangent. I apologize. One of my least favorite holidays of the year. Because starting at the age of six, we dress up our kids to not be like kids. I cannot tell you how shocked I was the first time I went to a high school or a a Halloween party dress-up day at a high school. What are you wearing? Or more importantly, what are you not wearing? And who bought that for you? Oh, my, my mom went and bought it for me. She went and bought it with me. Did she know what you would look like without clothes on? Because that's what you're showing all of these boys and vice versa. These kids are being over-sexualized so young, but they aren't getting it there first. They're getting it on the internet. They're getting it in the TV shows they watch. I love Disney. But what Disney has done in the last decade has done irreparable damage to some of our kids because it has normalized things that should not be normal. I loved Toy Story growing up. One of my favorite movies, one of my favorite genres. I did not want to see the movie Buzz Lightyear when it came out. I saw it. And I was aghast at things that were made normal. That there were two lesbian women that, why do you have to have in a cartoon a lesbian couple that has a kid? Well, if you work it out, there's only one way that can happen. In vitro fertilization. Why do you have to put in a kid's movie that these kids don't understand, kind of like the book The Giver, we're implanting all of these immoral things in our kids and not realizing the repercussions because it's just a kid's movie. Some of the things that were in our kids' movies... I didn't realize I was an adult. I was like, oh, how did they get away with that in Aladdin? Oh, my gosh. The opening scene where you see Robin Williams' character before he's genie, he's playing with a hookah, something to smoke with. We didn't see that, though, but this verbiage makes it in, and then there's the subliminal things. But we don't think about those things. We don't care about those things because, hey, at least my kids aren't in jail. That's good. I'm glad. But that's like when I hear in the confessional, I haven't killed anybody today. I haven't cheated on my spouse. Good. What do you need to work on, though? 
Because as members of the faith, we have so many things that we can continue to grow in. There's so many opportunities that God has given to us. Sometimes they're intellectual. I hope you get something out of these classes. I can't guarantee it because sometimes I go off on random, random rants. But my hope is that it gets us to think and ask the question, what are my kids doing? What, what did I do as a kid? Think about the things you got away with as a kid. Add a whole life with the internet to that. I don't know about you, but that terrifies me. <laughs> I never got in trouble because I never got caught. Anybody else out there? We need to start catching our kids. Because it's an opportunity to teach them a lesson. Not in a negative fashion, but to be taught a lesson is to be offered an opportunity for growth. To help them become who God has called them to be. Not who the world wants them to be. You can be extremely successful and still be a person of faith. There aren't that many of them, though. Because many times, we're so worried about either our faith or our profession. One of the things the doctors told me <clears throat> when I came back today was, now, Father, make sure to take it easy. I said, <laughs> have you met me? Taking it easy, that's not in my vocabulary. And have you ever talked to a priest before? Taking it easy is not in their job description. As I mentioned, I made it through Mass earlier, but I had to sit down for about five minutes afterwards just to catch my breath. The fact that I'm not walking around right now is killing me. But I know that if I'm walking around right now, it would be killing me. <laughs> so sometimes we have to look at what we can give, but also the bigger question, why we give it. Not being here this last weekend sucked. It was hard to have to rely on another priest to give what I can't give. But at the same time, that's what we're here for. When I talk about relying on your brothers and sisters to help you carry the burden of your cross, that's what I'm talking about. Maybe that's why I got COVID, just to remind myself that I can't do it all by myself. But I also remember as a pastor, you guys get me for an hour on Wednesdays, an hour on the weekend, and maybe something you see on social media. I wish I could do more for you but I would drive you guys back crap crazy. I understand that. But I'm hoping it can at least plant some of those seeds in your lives so they can bear fruit in your children's lives. I love those kids down that hallway. And it breaks my heart that we have some of those kids that don't want to be here. Now, most of it's because they don't understand some of it's because mom and dad don't want to be here and they just kind of get shipped off, dropped off. I understand that too. Some of, us, some of those kids really want to be here. Man, I've got so, many, so much hope for some of those kids. They just have that passion and fire. And it's up to us to keep that flame burning. To keep that fire of faith that starts at their baptism with that baptismal candle that we've got back there. It's not actually the baptismal candle, it's the Easter candle. But that Easter candle that then brings them the fire of faith what are we doing to keep it alive in their hearts? But the bigger question is, what are we doing to keep it alive in our hearts? Because if we aren't working on ourselves, we become hypocrites. How many times did we as kids turn our backs on our teachers, on our priests, on our parents? Because you heard the line, do what I say, not what I do the definition of hypocrisy. But man, do we live it a lot. Oh, turn your games off, you'll be fine. And then we play games for five hours. Oh, turn the TV off, you don't need to watch that show. And then we watch TV for 10 hours. Now, I realize those are extremes, but I've fallen into both of those categories in the past. Of focus, focus, focus. And it's easy as the priest to say that, because, well, I live here. But there's times for me when it's like, I'm glad I've got a chapel in the house with the Eucharist in the house so that I don't have to walk the 60 footsteps from my door of my house over to the church to be here in the presence of God. How lazy can I be? I fall into it too because I'm human. 
And so I know that my struggle is not just my struggle. I know it's everyone's struggle. And sometimes the struggle is between husband and wife. Husband wants to be here, wife doesn't. More often, wife wants to be here, husband doesn't. And so how do we work on that relationship, but also work on our own relationship with God? Well, remember last year when we talked about the sacrament of marriage, a good marriage, a good relationship, is like a well-formed triangle with God at the top. Husband on this side, wife on this side. As one gets closer to God, if the spouse isn't going with them, they're getting further from each other. And I can't tell you how many families I've had that I've witnessed that have broken because one or the other has found and embraced their faith. And the other is like, I don't care. I'm just there to make you happy. That's a good start. And if it weren't for the women in the church, another pedestal, another random squirrel, if it weren't for the women in the church, the church wouldn't exist in 2020, one, two, whatever year it is. In the 20, 21st century, that's what I was going for. The church would not exist if it weren't for women because we as priests can only do so much. You as women have kept the faith going in your families, with your spouses, with your children. So thank your moms, please. Because statistically, we wouldn't be here if it weren't for them. Now, as people of faith, we also know, though, the faith continues not because of any one of us, but because of the person of Christ. And that's really the heart of the virtue of faith. Yes, I've got three pages of notes here I could go through and read you line by line of different quotes, but it's in the book. Basically, it's the reality. God is bigger than the church. God is bigger than you. God is bigger than me. God is bigger than history. Faith requires that we be able to be alone with God for only when we can find God in solitude can we truly find God in community. That's why I look forward to retreats. Because sometimes it's hard to see God in the world around me. Especially when I'm being bombarded, especially when things aren't going my way, especially when I'm sick. <laughs> it's hard to see God around me. But man, I tell you, that retreat that I just had, it was life-changing. Potentially. If I embrace it if I do something about it, if I put into action the plan that I planned out to pray more, to be present more. But that can't just be my plan. We all have to grow in our faith to truly embrace it. And I realize I'm repeating myself. Any questions about faith? We'll talk about it a little bit more next week. There's a couple more quotes that I wanted to get to. But any questions about faith? Any thoughts about faith? Or anything else? Awesome. These are just like your kids. Now I know where they get it. Now, um, last word on it. Really look, I guess your homework assignment this week. Ask yourself the question, why do you come to church? Whether it be mass, whether it be class, whether, whatever it may be. Not the why don't you, but why do you come to church? Look into that. See where the Lord leads you in that. Because that, ultimately, is the seed of faith. But as any seed... It must be planted, it must be fertilized, and it must be watered to grow and bear fruit. But if we can start with the why, all the why nots will fall by the wayside eventually, if we allow them to, if we work on them, if we embrace them. But ask yourself, why do I come to church? And it could be something as, I got nothing better to do. That's okay. It's a place to start. It could be a, I don't want to go to hell. Good place to start don't want to end up there, but good place to start. Whatever your answer may be, write that down for yourself and take that to prayer this week. By take it to prayer, I mean ask God, 
why that is the answer that came to you. We'll all have different answers. You'll be surprised. And then once you pray with that, if you're able to, ask your kids the same question. Why do you come to church? Some of them may shock you in a positive manner. Because I like to see my friends, because I, like I like what I learn, it's a safe place, because I love God. Some of them may be, because you make me get off my butt and go to church. That may, that's going to be the answer for some of your kids. I'm, I'm just going to throw that out there now. But if that's the answer, look for the positive in that. They have enough faith and respect for you to respect your wishes. Remember the importance of that as you grow and as they grow. Because if your children will listen to you, as you probably still listen to your parents today, you may not agree with them all the time, but you still listen to them as we honor our fathers and our mothers, how can we then, as we work on our own life of faith, seek to help our children in their life of faith? Okay? Sound fair? Getting no responses, so I'm guessing that's a yes. <laughs> Let us pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Good and gracious God, we thank you for this day. I thank you for this opportunity to come together with many of our um, adults, with many of our parents, to continue to grow in my own faith, but also um, help them continue to grow in their faith. I pray that you may send your Holy Spirit into our lives, into our hearts, into our families, into our family of faith. But as we pray uh, this day in a special way for all of our loved ones who you have called home, we pray also that they may pray for us, that they may lift us up in prayer. If there's any worries, anxieties, fears, doubts, troubles, crossroads that are in our lives, you may be with us that they may intercede for us on our behalf. We ask all these things through the perfect intercessor, your mother, as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go in peace. Thanks be to God. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks, guys.